Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Amen. See, sometimes we just got to pray together about something to see the breakthrough. And, you know, the, there is a scripture which, where Jesus said, you know, um, and he's talking about deliverance, but sometimes, you know, even sickness can be, uh, deliverance might be needed, you know. From a, for, from a certain sickness. And he said, sometimes these don't come out except by prayer and fasting. And so it's, uh, that's an encouragement, you know. If you know somebody who needs a real breakthrough. Um, and it hasn't happened. It's not that God not willing that we might not have met the requirements yet for that breakthrough to take place. And Jesus, when his disciples, they did, they did everything that he had told them to do to cast spirits out, and they couldn't get the spirit out of this boy, just a little boy. And Jesus said, yeah, but sometimes they won't come out except by prayer and fasting. Now, Jesus was one who had a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. I mean, he's, he fasted for 40 days before he started his ministry, and then he would oftentimes be in spending all night with, with the Father in prayer. And, you know, he'd go to a quiet place and pray. And so his lifestyle was ready to tackle anything. And uh, maybe the disciples, because even John the Baptist asked, or someone asked, I can't remember, maybe it was John the Baptist. So I can't remember the scripture specifically, but someone asked Jesus, well, how come your disciples don't fast? And we all fast. And he said, well... When the bridegroom's around, it's feasting time. But when he's gone, then they will fast. But Jesus himself started his ministry with a fast. And so I want to encourage you, you know, if, if you sing, you know, believing for a breakthrough, faith is important. Believe. You know, as Sheikh said, she got a genuine faith. And if you don't have faith for something, ask God for it. Say, God, I need faith for this. Because if you know that your faith isn't strong enough for something, Ask God for it. Um, you might be suffering from something right now that you're not getting a breakthrough in. And it might be simply that even though you pray, you pray without faith. In other words, you don't believe that God's going to do it. And there might be something inside that you need to deal with. It might be, you know, a father heart issue. You might not actually believe that you're worthy, you know. You might have somehow being convinced that God doesn't love you enough to do it or God's got too busy with all the others, you know. And you might need to put that to rest and actually repent of those thoughts and processes in order to get to a place where you believe, you know what, God loves me as much as everybody else and he wants to heal me as much as everybody else. And I'm speaking to myself here because, you know, I've been going after some healing for a long time and I haven't seen certain breakthroughs in my own life, with, particularly with my legs, so... Maybe that'll come, believing that it will at some stage. But even if it doesn't, I trust God. Amen? Isn't that good? Um, some good news. Now, Matt's not here tonight. He usually sits up the back there. Next Saturday, Matt's getting baptized. Ooh. So when I, the first day I met him, he gave his life to the Lord. Came to church, had an encounter with the Lord, um, and, uh, and got saved. And... Uh, that was out at Weston. Um, and then he found out, because he lives in Newcastle, found out that we have a meeting here, and he started coming along. And, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you now, you may not be able to get along, um, but it's next Saturday afternoon down at Carrington, next to the boat ramp there. 
We're just going to do it in the in the river. <laughs> so that'll be good. So exciting about that. Um, all right. That was the news. Um, that's a big podium right there, isn't it? <laughs> I have a message that I want to share with you tonight. Um, I think it's appropriate for this time of year. We're about to finish 2020. No, about to enter 2020, finish 2019. Um, it's the end of a decade. It's the end of a year. And as I alluded to um, earlier, we have all had these amazing experiences over this last year or this last 10 years. Some of them have been really tough. Some of us have found ourselves in places that we'd rather not find ourselves in. Situations that are just really tough. Circumstances in our families, in our lives that are really, I don't know, they, they've tested us, yeah? And um, I really feel, and the title of the message is Looking Back, Moving Forward, okay? A lot of people say, let the bygones be bygones, let the past be in the past. And I understand why they say that because a lot of the times you just don't want to remember things, particularly when you've had a really tough time. You just want to, you know, when, when we first came in here tonight and I asked you, hey, who wants to leave 2019 behind or the last decade behind? And a few people put up their hands, you know. And yes, we want to let bygones be bygones when it's the tough stuff. And yes, we want to... Um, leave some of the past behind, but we don't want to leave it all behind because the past has brought us to the place where we are today. And even if you're in a bad place today, even if you're in a tough place today, I want to encourage you tonight to believe that God is about to do something exciting in your life. I believe that. And uh, I'm going to highlight a, um, a, the life of David tonight. Now, how many people know who David was in the Bible? King David, yeah? You heard of King David? Right. So I'm going to highlight a, one particular point in his life, which I believe was kind of like a crossroads. It was a crucial moment in David's life, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I believe every one of us from time to time will come across what we would call a crossroad in our life, where... We've got to make a choice. Do we keep going with what we've been pursuing or do we change course and go a different direction? Sometimes the crossroad is life and death. You know, some people, you hear stories of people who were at the point of suicide and they had that moment where they had to process, do I do this, do I not do this? I've got family members, good friends even, who have testified that in the moment where they were at their worst, they really felt a prompting. They have to do something about it and they took themselves off to the doctor or they stopped and prayed and talked to the Lord or whatever, you know. And then you hear of stories that we've heard of the last 12 months particularly where several pastors, high-level pastors in the US, um, took their own life got to the point where they just couldn't do it anymore and uh, they got to the crossroad but couldn't go where 
they wanted to or where they previously had wanted to go. Sometimes in our life, and every single one of us, I think, at some stage or another, has sensed some kind of destiny on our life or something that we wanted to do or some kind of a call or some kind of ambition. Maybe it was a God-given ambition. Maybe it was... Um, maybe we received a prophetic word from somebody and, and it really resonated with our heart. Maybe we were at a meeting sometime and someone called us out. Maybe we we're just having a quiet time alone with God one day and God spoke something deep into your heart and you thought, wow, that's what I'm going to do with my life. And you really got inspired and excited and you wanted to go and do it. But then as you went to do it, yeah, you might have had a few victories in it, maybe. Um, but a lot of folk find that the the tough times often come after you get started trying to get going in, you know, in, in, in a calling, in a, in, a, in a spiritual ambition, in a, in a word from the Lord. As you try and take hold of that word, as you try and fulfill that word on your life, you often find that things get really tough. And uh, I believe this story about David... Um, is his crossroad. Now, you, you may have read it before. You may not have read it quite like this. So I'm going to read the story. Um, I'm going to pause and highlight a couple of verses as I go through, and then I'll read the rest of the story. So it's a story. It's one of David's stories, okay? So it's First uh, Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to start at verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag. Okay, now I'm going to pause. Ziglag, I'm going to give you some history just before I continue. Ziglag was a town that the Philistine leader, one of the Philistine commanders in the army, had given to David and all his men. See, what happened, this is the backstory, right? David had, as you know, he'd been brought up as a shepherd boy and he loved the Lord and he'd faithfully served the Lord and faithfully served his father by tending the sheep and he'd even had victory over, over a, a bear. He'd killed a bear with his own bare hands. He'd killed a lion with his own bare hands. And then as a 17-year-old, Samuel had come along and anointed him with oil and said, you're going to be the king of Israel. Now, he's only a 17-year-old kid, right? But God had pointed him out. God had seen his heart and said, you're going to be. So he's got this word, right? He's got this anointing. He's got this call on his life. He's got a good heart. He's all after God. Um, he's, he's fought some battles in, the, in, in his natural life as a shepherd and now he's got this anointing to be the king. And then, do you remember the story where he goes to feed his brothers one day at the army outside the Philistine camp where you've got all the Philistines, they've got this big giant, Goliath. Who's heard of Goliath, right? Remember Goliath? Right, Goliath is standing up there yelling abuse at all the Israelites. And David, this shepherd boy, just comes up to feed his brothers who are in the army. And he sees the Goliath there. And he says, who's this guy? Who does he think he is? And you know the story, he goes down there and by the faith that he's already got and he's already killed a lion, he's already killed a bear, now he goes and kills Goliath. And he becomes like the local hero, right? And even Saul, the king, thinks highly of him. But that's 
kind of where it all started. Oh, uh, there was probably a, a season there where everything went really well. He started to win some battles. He got involved in the war. He was only young, but... And then he ended up um, getting involved. He got married to Saul's daughter, and then things started to go pear-shaped. Saul, and this is another story. I'm not going to get into this, but the whole time Saul was starting to be distracted from his first love, God, and he started to stray. And then a spirit came on him, and a very distressing spirit. And in the midst of all that, Saul started to hate David. So here we have this hero who's anointed to be king, and he's fought a bear, he's fought a lion, he's fought Goliath, he's won battles on behalf of the king. He's setting himself up to enter into kingship one day because he knows, maybe Saul doesn't even know that he's been anointed, but he knows he's been anointed and so he's on this path, but then suddenly the king hates him. And so he's banished. And before long, he becomes the enemy of the whole of Israel and the whole of Israel don't like him anymore. Right? There's just this rough bunch of blokes who turn up to hang out with him and then they're all married and they've all got kids and he's got kids and they can't be in Israel anymore because of the tension. that They've been totally rejected by Israel and suddenly they're out. Well, where are we going to go? We have to go to Philistine, right? And so he goes and starts serving this guy faithfully in such a way that this guy says, you can have Ziglag as your town, your city. So it gives him a whole city for him and 600 of his men and all their wives and all their children and everything, right? Then there came one more point just prior to this where Saul decides he's going to go against the Philistines one more time. And so they got this war that's about to happen and David's caught in the middle because he's serving a Philistine guard, uh, um, ruler at the same time as he's an, he's an Israelite, he's Hebrew. And so the Philistines are about to get... But David, because he's been banished and Saul hates him and all of Israel hate him, he said, well, I'll fight with you guys, the Philistines. So he goes, all right, I'm going to fight with the Philistines. I'm going to go against my own people. They have stabbed me in the back. I'm going to go up against them. So as it happens, have you ever seen those, um, those displays, not um, like a fruit display, <laughs> where, and you might have seen them on TV, where all the soldiers march in front of the, the leader, Korea, China, all that sort of thing, you've got to, and you see it in the movies and so on, right? Well, they did that, and they had the whole of the army go in front of the Philistine king, right? And the Philistine king's watching them all go past, right? And there's David at the end of the line with all his 600 men. And he's like toddling along, you know. And the Philistine king looks down and goes, hey, what's this? Hebrews in my army? Are you kidding me? We're about to go against the Hebrews. They'll turn and attack us. And so he banishes David and his men from the fight says, you can't fight. It's like, what? Everybody's rejected me. Everybody's rejected me. Like the, everything was going wrong for David. I mean, he's anointed king. He's done all these amazing things, but everything now is going wrong. The whole of Israel's rejected him. Now Philistine people have rejected him, and he's out on his own. The commander comes to him and says, look, if you don't pack up your bags and leave by, 
by morning, we're going to kill you. Like my king said, we're going to kill you. We're not going to have you. It's like, all right, come on, boys, let's go. So they're going to head back to Ziglag. Right? So here's, this is the background of the story. Everything has gone wrong for David. Everything, right? Well, you think everything's gone wrong until you read this and you think, ah, oh, how could anything else go wrong, right? So now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag, their city, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. So they, while they were away... Another army, the Amalekite army, had come in and burned their city to the ground with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons, their daughters had all been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Wow. If you think you've had a bad day, think about that one for a moment. Imagine for a minute, with all these bushfires that have been going on, imagine you come home to your house. This is the most tragic of tragedies, right? You come home to your house, everything is gone, and you're the only survivor of your home. Your whole family is gone, right? That must have been the kind of heartache that not only David had, but all 600 of his men, because all of them had lost their wives and their children in this attack from this army. And their whole city had been burnt to the ground. Everything they owned was gone. All that they had left was what was on them, right? So that's the scene. And David's two wives, Anaham, Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, they had also been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. They were going to kill him. His men had decided, right, enough is enough. We're going to kill him. Okay, so here's David, right? Israel's rejected him. The Philistines rejected him. Now his own men are going to kill him. That's how bad his situation was. He was at a crossroad, right? And it says here, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, they were going to kill him. But David, now this is the key, crucial crossroads moment for David. And it says, but David strengthened himself in his God, in the Lord his God. We're going to come back to that in a minute, but I'm just going to keep reading. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring me the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David, and so David inquired of the Lord. That's another key word, a key phrase. Okay, so the first one is David strengthened himself in the Lord, and the second one is David inquired of the Lord. And he asked the Lord, Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? In other words, what should I do? Should I go after my family? In other words, am I going to win if I go? Because I've only got 600 men and they must have thousands, like a whole army. He, 
he sought after the Lord. And then the answer came from the Lord, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And so David went with his 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Besor where they stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 men stayed behind who were very weary and could not cross the brook. So it must have been a bit of a, a river and they were too tired from, the, from the, everything else that they'd done. Verse 11, then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And so when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water in three days and three nights. He was hungry, right? So random guy in the desert, right? Isn't it? Now watch how this happens. So David has strengthened himself in the Lord. He's asked God what to do. God says, go, I'll give them to you. Then as they're traveling, they find this random guy just lying there, dying. They pick him up, give him some food. Hey, who are you? And David says to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? Right? David didn't know. God knew. And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. The master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. Three days ago, David left the fight and came home. And three days ago, this guy fell sick and his master kicked him out to die. And then he goes on and says, We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and in the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. So he's the servant of the guy who burnt the whole city down, randomly finds him, right, in the middle of the desert. And David says to him, Can you take me down to this troop? He said, swear to me by God and that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I will take you there. And when he had brought him down there, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and of the land of Judah. And when David attacked them, that from twilight until the evening of the next day, not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Now, that must have been a pretty big army because David, by this stage, he only had 400 of his, his own men, right? 400 of them escaped. And it says everyone died except 400, except a small number, 400. So it must have been a big army. And his 400 men, under the unction, the power of God, God delivered them to them, right? And so David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, son or daughter, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. And David recovered all. Verse 20, And then David took all the flocks and the herds he had driven before those other livestock, Sorry, they had driven before those other livestock. In other words, there was a whole bunch of other stuff that they had got from other plunders in other areas. So now David's not only got his own stuff back, but he's got everybody else's stuff back as well. Right, so he's now increased. Right? Can you see the hand of God on this? He's now increased. 
and the men who are with him. Now listen to this. Um, David took all the flocks and herds and they said, this is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary and they could not follow David and whom he had left to stay at the brook Basor. And so they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. And then all the wicked and worthless, this is the description of David's army. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except their wives and children. But David said, verse 23, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. He who has, sorry, preserved us and delivered us, delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. So David turns it around and says, no, everyone's going to share in this. I'm just going to fast forward now to verse 26. Now David came to Ziglag and he sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah, saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord to those who are in Bethel and those in Ramoth, And it goes through a whole bunch of cities and towns all spread out throughout Israel where he sent presents from all the leftover spoil, right? So here's David's story. Now, you know from that point in time, of course, David went on to become the king and became the most famous of all kings and the most um, incredible, right? The man after God's own heart. And he established this incredible kingdom and loved um, loved God and, and, and brought the people back to true worship. Now, here's, here's the crucial part, right? David got to the crossroad where he'd lost everything, right? He'd been rejected by the Israelites. He'd been rejected by the Philistines. He'd come back to his hometown. Everything had been destroyed. His wife, his family had, had gone. They'd been stolen by this other army. All his men now turned on him. They're about to stone him. And he was at the crossroads. What do you do when you're at the crossroads? What do you do when everything looks terrible? And this is the crucial thing because what David did, and we, we read that in, um, in verse 6, what David did was to strengthen himself in the Lord. Now, he could have gone on the babbling, you know, oh, God, you know, everything's gone wrong and I don't, like this and what are you going to do about it? You're supposed to be the God of heaven and earth and you're supposed to be looking after me. He could have had a big grumpy with God, right? You ever had a grumpy with God? All right. Now, I actually know for a, I know enough of David's story and I'm going to take you to another passage in a minute which highlights what actually happened in his heart, in him being strengthened in the Lord because he, he, he started out in a bit of a grumpy, right? He started out, oh, woe is me. And if you've read any of his Psalms, you know that David was a man who just shared his heart. You know, if he's having a bad time, he'll share it. If he's having a good time, he'll share it, you know. And uh, so we're going to go in a moment to uh, Psalm 77 because it's a key Psalm. Because that's a Psalm that really depicts what happened in his heart at this time. He's depicting the story of grief and how he turns how he turns and strengthens himself in the Lord. And then he goes to inquire of the Lord. Now, interestingly enough, you notice that David, it says here that David strengthened himself in the Lord and then he inquired of the Lord. 
right? Now imagine for a minute, he's all in his grumpies and he's going to go inquire of the Lord, Lord, what are we going to do with these people? Right? There's no faith in that request. Imagine for a moment, perhaps he just said, no, nah, come on guys, let's go get them, right? 600 men against the whole, whole army without the presence of God. David knew enough to know, one, he needed the presence of God with him when he goes forward in whatever he's going to do. Secondly, he knew that the only way to get the presence of God to go with him was to have his heart right. Yeah? So he says, the first thing he did was he strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, how did he do that? Let's have a look at Psalm 77 for a moment. All right? This will give us a clue. So David's writing, verse 1, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, because it's, you know, how he wrote fairly poetically. We don't get it in English. If you heard it in Hebrew, it would probably have a real role to it, you know. So I cried out to my to God with my voice, I cried to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. All right, that's the anguish that he's in. You ever been in that kind of anguish before you, where your soul just refuses to be comforted? Wow. Imagine what he was going through. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Sailor. Now, the word sailor in, is Hebrew, and it means stop and think on that for a moment. Right? I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Sailor. Verse 4. You hold my eyelids open. <laughs> you ever had that? Like you, it's almost like, I can't sleep. Like, you hold my eyelids open. <laughs> He's having a bit of a grump, right? I am troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old. The years of ancient times, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. For the Lord, will the Lord, this is this question, will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? You ever had those questions rise up, you know? Has God, verse 9, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Verse 10. And I said, this is my anguish. But, this is the crossroads, you see. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High God. Wow. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High God. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have, with your arm, redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. See here, he's gone back and looked at the journey of his people coming out of Egypt. How God saved them through the Red Sea. You know, and then he goes back even further. He said, the waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you, and they were afraid. The depths also trembled. 
The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So here we see David reflecting on his God and his God who is amazing, his God who is righteous, his God who is a rescuer, his God who is all triumphant, his God who leads his people out of darkness, his God who brings people out of trouble, his God who is always there for those who love him and are called according to their purpose. You know, David strengthened himself in the Lord and then he inquired of the Lord, what do I do next? Now, come back to us. We're coming into 2020. We've come to an end of an era. We've come to an end of a season. Now, maybe that season for you has been really tough. Yeah? Maybe there's some things you'd like to forget. Maybe there's some situations going on in your life right now which are overwhelming you. You might feel or identify with David when he was at his crossroads where he felt like, ah, what do I do? Well, what did David do? He strengthened himself in the Lord. How did he do it? By remembering how awesome his God was. So he looked back to remind his soul how good God is. See, he stirred up faith. See, he stirred up faith in his heart to believe. So he reminded himself of all the things that God has done in the past. He looked back at his own life. He looked back at the life of his people. And he thought to himself, no, God is a just God. God isn't one who leaves his own by the side of the way, particularly when their heart hasn't turned, you know. And there's been many times when people, even when they have had their heart turn and they look back and they see God, how righteous he is, and they, they repent and God is gracious. And he, so he's reminded that God is gracious. He's reminded that God is strong. He's reminded that God is a deliverer, even though he's just lost his whole family. And he's wondering where his wives and children are and he doesn't know anything. And, and, and he's concerned for all his men, even though they want to kill him in that moment. And he strengthens himself in the Lord. I want to encourage you tonight. As you move into 2020, get yourself on a sure foundation. What is your sure foundation? The goodness of God, the greatness of God, the awesomeness of God, the God who is a healer, the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. We change. But God never changes. He's always the same. He's always faithful. And you might be thinking, ah, oh, it doesn't feel like he's faithful right now. Well, then you're at a low point and you've got to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You've got to find the courage inside to look at God and say, God, who are you? Who are you to me? Who have you been? Remind yourself, stir yourself up to believe that he is a faithful God, that he has a plan and a purpose, even for your life. You may have had, like David, an anointing on your life, a prophetic call. You may have had this dream, this desire, this 
choice thing that you were going after and the enemy came in like a flood and messed everything up. And you went with it. You may have fallen. You may have struggled. You may have got so depressed or so discouraged or so anguished in the situation that you felt like giving everything away. And maybe you've even been to the point in your own life where you've felt like doing the most horrible thing and taking your own life. There might be people like that, that you know, who are struggling right now. We can learn from the word. We can learn from these stories. We can learn from David. David was a man after God's own heart. And he went on from that moment to become the great king. From the moment where everything was lost. And he came to the crossroads. And he had to ask himself the question, what do I do now? Well, maybe that's where you are today. Maybe as you step into 2020, it's an opportunity to shift something in your life. You know that sometimes we need something to happen in order to get us to shift. Maybe you've been in a pattern of living or a pattern of thought or a pattern of process in your life that's been destructive and God just wants to shift you out of that. How do you do it? Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Look at how good and how awesome and how wonderful God is and remind yourself. Get back into the Word of God and read it again. Maybe you haven't read the word by yourself, for yourself, for a while. I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you haven't been in prayer or fasting. Maybe that's what you need to get your breakthrough. But strengthen yourself in the Lord and find yourself in him. And then inquire of the Lord. Lord, what do I do now? As you're stepping into 2020, don't just flippantly go into it. Ah, beauty, new season, let's do this thing without having inquired of the Lord because you'll just go off and do your own thing. And then you'll get halfway through this next season, you go, uh-oh, that's not working out so good. I want to encourage you as you step from 2019 to 2020, from this decade to the next, I believe that God has a destiny for every person in this room. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord or how famous you've ever been or infamous you are. <laughs> I believe that God has a, an amazing purpose for your life. And you can walk into your destiny no matter what your physical, emotional or spiritual condition is right now if you're able to strengthen yourself in the Lord and then Inquire of the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? What shall I do about my situation? What shall I do about my circumstance? Zach and I are in a season of waiting on the Lord and strengthening ourselves in the Lord right now as we step into 2020. And uh, I tell you what, it's, it's not an easy process sometimes, you know, humbling yourself, doing a little bit of prayer, extra prayer, a bit extra fasting, all that sort of stuff put that into your, the mix of your life, particularly when it's busy season and everything, can be tough. But I'm telling you now, we believe that God is going to bring us, as Jeff so beautifully sung early, into breakthrough in this next season. But here's the thing. If we don't strengthen ourselves in the Lord, 
In other words, if we don't come, when we inquire of God what we're to do, if we don't come with a heart of faith, if we come with a heart of unbelief, we're not going to receive anything from God. He's not going to reward someone who's walking in unbelief, who doesn't believe that God is who he is. We've got to read the word and stir it up in our hearts and go, this is who our God is. And get our heart to a place where we go, yes, God is who he says he is. Not who my circumstances say he is. Not who the the world says he is. Not who I have said in the past that he is or that I've believed in my head that he is. But I have to believe what the word of God says and that has to strengthen me. That is what strengthens me. And then as I inquire of the Lord, then I'll know what to do and I'll do it and God will succeed it for me. Yeah? Come on. Some of us here, and I know there's not a big group tonight, it's the end of the year, a lot of people on holidays, but I know there's some people here tonight who just need to pause, sailor, think about that. Think about the goodness of God. Look at your highlight reel from the last season. Don't look at the low light reel. Look at the highlight reel. What has God done? What's he doing? What's he going to do? And what are you going to partner with him in this next season? Amen? Come on. That's, our, that's, that's the word of God for tonight. Yeah? All right. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, I just thank you so much that Even in our lowest point, you're still there. And you're still waiting for our response. We look at how David went. Lord, how he strengthened himself in your word and your remembrance and then inquired of you. And how, as you said, go, he went. And with 600 men, he defeated a whole army. And then you gave him more than he ever had, enough to bless all the the cities of Israel that he had frequented in his lifetime thus far. He gained credit back in Israel and that was the open door to to come back because Saul had been killed. We see how it worked out for David and He still had struggles later on in life and he still messed up on occasions. But you're always with him, God. I just know that you're always with us. So, Father, I just pray right now that as we, maybe some of us here tonight or maybe some who are listening to this podcast are at the crossroads of their journey. Lord, I ask that you would stir each one of us up to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, to look back at who you are, who you've been, and then to be able to move forward with you, paving the way. Lord, your word says that if we trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean on on our own understanding, you will make our path straight. Lord, we want to walk in 2020 with a straight path to where you want us to go. So, Lord, rather than leaning on our own understanding, going gung-ho into a new season without having inquired of you, without having stopped, without having dropped to our knees, without having sought your heart, 
we want to pause sometime in this season as this decade folds over into the next and we want to honour you in our own personal lives in the quietness where nobody else sees we want to give it to you God and inquire what should we do Lord what does this next season hold What should we do with our current circumstance? Lord, I pray peace on those who are struggling right now. Maybe they've been in a, a season of turmoil. I just pray your peace, your love, just envelop them right now, right wherever they're sitting. Embrace the, the anguish of their heart the turmoil of their soul. Help us to remember who you are, God. Write your words on our heart, upon our mind, so that we would never forget them. Give us strength in you, we pray, as we move forward in that strength. I bless your people, Lord. I bless all those who need strengthening right now. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au. 